As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six, eight. You know they have a filet of fish uh, breakfast sandwich now. The plan to win has never changed. So slam one of those on a muffin. (laughs) Okay. Does that mean we're rolling? Okay. All right, I'll spread it. I'll spread it. Same with Tony Hero. Welcome back to 46 with AMB, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined as I always am by Ari Wasserman. But on today's episode, we have a very special guest, someone who dusted both of us in our NCAA and uh, tournament pick'em. Uh, which finished way back in April, and we're, we're, he's reaping the rewards of it now in July. Uh, his name is Marshall Stewart. He won our bracket pool, uh, actually won it on a tiebreaker with the, with the final score, which I don't think I've seen happen too often. There were actually two people who finished with the same point total as you, Marshall, but you won uh, by getting the correct final score. And I got to be honest, I don't even remember who won the national championship of college basketball last year. It's been that long since this has happened. Well, you nailed the actual score? He came pretty close to closer. it. He was oh, closest. I think. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. That the tiebreaker came into play. Honestly, was it wasn't it Kansas? I believe yes, it was. It was yeah. Kansas beat uh, uh, North Carolina, right? Yes, yes, Kansas yes. Beat and I remember that I won a big bet because of the guy who dribbled the ball off of his foot. Remember, there was some crazy ending that, like, I was like, "Oh my god!" Everybody who bet Kansas lost, and then something crazy happened, and they won. Yeah. All I remember is that I won a lot of money on St. Peter's. Good job, Bill. That's the extent of my. <laughs> I and I came. I. I finished almost dead last in our four to six with A and B bracket pool. Because you probably had Ohio State in the Elite Eight. <laughs> that, I think I might have actually. Yeah, yeah. Which Too was, close to the situation is what they call it. <laughs> that. That's probably right. <laughs> but but Marshall won, so his reward is that he gets to come on to the podcast with the two of us, and and you know, as promised, kind of make this his show. So we'll we'll delve into some topics that Marshall wanted to get into. But before we do that, Marshall, um, 
I'm curious, maybe tell us a little bit about kind of your Ohio State fandom, um, how long you've been a Buckeye fan, um, maybe how you, how much of a diehard Ohio State fan you are, um, and I guess why you wanted to enter a bracket pool where you knew this would be the end result if you ended up winning. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of ironic in a way because college basketball is now a sport, is one of the lesser sports that I really even follow or watch. I've kind of gotten much more into um you know, hockey and even, um, you know, English Premier League and some other things in the winter, through the winter. And so, um, you know, like a lot of people, I get interested in March and and was uh, lucky enough to, to win this. But um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I've lived in Ohio my whole life. My parents were actually from out West, but had ended up in Ohio. Um, my dad was a, a teacher at Ohio Northern University, which is a small school about 75 miles Northwest of Columbus, you may have heard of. But it, we spent uh, part of my time growing up, we did live in Columbus. And, and my, um, the, the church that my family attended would run the, the concession stands at Ohio Stadium uh, as kind of a fundraiser. Ooh, so good. I would just tag along with my dad. Um, you know, this is, I'm probably, you know, six, seven years old. Um, and, uh, you know, just work in the concession stand. And then back then you could just sort of go find a, an aisle or something to go watch the games. Um, and then, you know, make your way back at halftime to work the stand and so forth. So this was, um, you know, this was the the early to mid, yeah, early seventies. This was the Woody Hayes era. Um, uh, Archie Griffin was, was at Ohio state just to give you an idea. Um, and, you know, it was kind of that golden era of, um, you know, Ohio state, Michigan rivalry. Um, uh, uh, I think it's sometimes called the 10 year war, mm-hmm. uh, Woody and Bo and, and all that. And, and, um, you know, I remember even, you know, driving home from, from church, I think one Sunday with in the back of the family car, when it was announced that Ohio state was, was chosen to go to the Rose bowl. I don't recall all the specifics, but somehow or another, they had ended up as a tie in a tie with Michigan. And it was a huge, you know, huge controversy as you can imagine. Um, but for, for reasons I don't recall, Ohio State was chosen to go to the Rose Bowl. And, I think it was a coin flip, wasn't it? It's uh, like some crazy tiebreaker that didn't Bode Schembechler had like a meltdown because of it. Yeah, that part I think is Bo having the meltdown for sure. But, um, you know, and, and, and in those times, it was, you know, it was such a different time, obviously technology and everything. But, you know, today as we see what's happening to college football and it's so dominated by television, um, and, and, you know, all the, all the conference realignment and everything is really driven by TV dollars. You know, in those days, um, you know, Ohio State, the Big Ten had a rule that you could only be on television once a year or at least one conference game. So, you know, it, and, and there wasn't there weren't any cable channels. And, and so, like, literally fall in Ohio was was, um, you know, listening to Ohio State on the radio. Um, and then, uh, you know, maybe attending a, 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 the local small college football game in person. Um, and then Saturday night, they would replay the games on PBS. And so you would stay up and re- watch the replay on PBS. Um, and then, you know, you would really look forward to that Michigan game because you got to watch it live. And, uh, you know, more often than not, that determined who went to the Rose Bowl. It was always, as they used to call it, the Big Two Little Eight. Um, because no one outside of Ohio State and Michigan was was particularly good back then, um, you know. Obviously, it was before the expansion of the conference. So, 
so anyway, it was just, you know, just kind of growing up in that period. Uh, we, you know, we moved back up to, to closer to the Lima area where, where my dad was, was teaching and, but, you know, still very big time Buckeye country. And then I ended up back in Columbus after college. Um, so it was there through kind of the Cooper, the end of the Earl Bruce era, John Cooper. Um, and then I, I moved to Cincinnati in, in the early nineties and I've been here ever since, but but always retain that Ohio State fandom. It's just something when you spend your youth in Central Ohio, it's just kind of there for for forever. Um, so um, you know, and and um, you know, it's just now with the technology and everything. I used to be, I mean, I used to be the type of sports fan that would go and and find you know every newspaper I could buy. Like, because you know, in, in in Central Ohio, the Dispatch was, um, you know, the Dispatch had really good Ohio State coverage, but not so much other things necessarily, but you could go buy the plain dealer and you could buy the Cincinnati Inquirer and, and, and so forth and, and get your, your, you know, so you, you know, and of course USA Today came along and, you know, now it's all this, in the digital age, there's, there's just so much more to consume and podcasts are a big part of that. So you ask, why would I want to you know join this uh, contest? It's, you know, I've been, I've been fans of you guys for a number of years now, pretty much the whole time you've been podcasting. I think you guys, we're doing some even before the athletic, if I recall correctly, right? I mean, you were. Yeah, we a, created Buckeye Talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? That's right, Doug. <laughs> and, and I'm Doug, in the Doug Buckeye Lee Talk is. podcast follows seven people on Twitter and I'm not one of them. And I resent it. <laughs> because it's, it's born because of because of our seed. Good to know. Do you listen to Buckeye Talk? I do some. It's, you know, it's. There's just more, there's more there than I have time to consume. I enjoy Buckeye Talk, yeah. but it's just, you know, it's like almost every day and it's over an hour and it's just like, I don't know, you guys, you're, the amount, your podcast to me is like just the right amount. It's like enough yeah, it's better. for a serious Buckeye fan to get what they need, but it's not this kind of, Buckeye Talk is kind of an overwhelming amount, honestly, for me. Um, so I listen to you guys. I listen to the, you know, the Bucknuts Morning 5 pretty regularly because that's, you know, that's a good kind of daily brief thing. I've been a Bucknuts reader for a long, long time. And, uh, um, you know, that was one of the first digital things that I really got into. Um, I was actually, a, I was actually, a, a, I started as a journalism major, interesting and interestingly enough, with the intention of becoming a sports writer and kind of covered uh, Ohio Northern sports back in the day for our little campus newspaper and did some, even did some broadcasting on the campus radio station. Um, Switch to finance. Um, I think you made the right choice. Yeah, right there, choice <laughs> <laughs> so, jobs uh, not nearly as much fun. I will say that. I mean, I know you guys. There's there's aspects of your job that are not so much fun, and and um, you know, working late in the evenings, getting stories out, and all that kind of stuff. But um, so anyway, yeah. So I kind of have a little bit different. I feel like I have a little bit different perspective on you guys, what you do, and so I just I had just a brief taste of doing it. Yeah. Um, back in the day. But um, so, so yeah, just, you know, and, and I've always been really into the recruiting side, which is another reason I, I really, you know, enjoy you guys work and Ari in particular with that side that, and, you know, Bill, you're really attuned to it as well, but, you know, back in the, again, you know, old fart uh, takes, you know, there used to be, there would be articles in the newspaper here and there if they would get a commit, but in terms of who they were pursuing and that kind of thing, it was like, you know, unless you just happen to live near that particular player or something so that, you know, and there used to be, I don't even remember the guy's name. There was a guy that would do a, a recruiting report that would come out after commitment date. 
you know, and they would just print it. It was like a little, uh, like pamphlet type of thing. And you could Tom Lemming. Oh, this was before Tom Lemming, I think. Oh, even well, well before that. But yeah, I think Tom Lemming was the guy that was like uh, charging people sixty-eight dollars a minute. Was that was that the? Yeah. Oh, he had, he he had, had the hotline. Like hot right? Yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. there's a visionary man. That guy was the original. Well, um, I think, and I think he was in the more of the kind of the onset of the digital, or not the digital, but the cable age, if you will. Um, you know, because ESPN. Yeah, he invented the star system. I think. Or like, he was like one of the first people to start calling it stars. Yeah, that sounds right. But whoever this guy was, he would send out this little report and you could you get this and read about the various recruits and who they were. And that's kind of how you did it. But it's so, again, just another thing that's just kind of interesting. Now you see just now it's just I mean, there's just any number of sources of information to get recruiting info. And um, it's it's a you know, it's an industry kind of into itself, which, you know, like Bucknuts. I mean, you know, I think that's an example of one that, you know, Bucknuts would not have been what it was without the recruiting interest, you know? Um, sure. And, and, and I think they were like, you know, they were independent for a long time. I mean, there was a guy out of Dayton, Mr. Bucknuts, who I, I don't, I don't know if I ever did hear his name, his actual name, but um, that was out of Dayton. I he got his name legally changed to Mr. Bucknuts. <laughs> did he? <laughs> I don't know. He's probably, I, hope I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who it is either. Um, but I mean, so now, you know, now they're part of uh, what is it? 24 seven. But I think they, I know at least yeah. at one point they had a huge percentage of the actual readership and um, the Ohio state van site stuff is very interesting. Cause I feel like it like changes so rapidly. Like it's every three years, there's a new one. And then yeah. there's a lot of like, it's like sports where the, the this guy got traded to this this publication and yeah. um, there's there's a lot. I think the, the point is that I'm trying to make is that there's a lot of of places Ohio State fans are lucky to have yeah uh, a plethora of options to consume their favorite sport and we're glad that you've uh, spent at least some of your time consuming us. It means the world to me. And Bill, before we move on to the next thing though, mm-hmm. Doug. I was just joking. <laughs> I don't think don't he go listens. to rampage. I don't okay. think he I don't know if he does or not, but if you yeah. do, yeah. I love you, buddy. I think, it was just a joke. I think we're good there. <laughs> Wasn't um, there some people here recently on, on Buckeye scoop? Was it, or, or which one there was, I don't really follow that one, but I saw some Twitter comments that a couple people were leaving there and it seemed like it was um, causing some, some, Seems uh, I'll I'll just say it seems a little messy, and maybe yeah. leave, it, leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Not, yeah, we not uh, we don't have the look into the curtain, but I think something's happening behind the curtain. Yeah, uh, yeah. Someone had a falling out. It, it appears so. That, that, that yeah. certainly appears to be the case. Um, Marshall, before we get into some of the the topics you want to discuss, I'm just curious. You told us about being in the shoe back in the '70s when you were a kid. Were you there in '72 when Archie made his debut against North Carolina? Or would that would have been before oh, you started gosh. going. Um, possibly, I don't, I don't recall, you know, specific games. Um, but, but quite possibly, um, trying to think I moved, we moved from Columbus back to Ada is actually the name of the town, um, in about 74. So I I think we were in Columbus at that time because I think we had moved back, um, for the last couple of years of Archie's era when he, he won the back to back. Heisman's and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I, I may have been, but I, I don't know. I was just, yeah. Okay. I was just curious if you had any vis- vivid memories of that, but it's, no, so, it's okay. It's okay that you don't, because I don't remember what happened like a week ago. So I don't remember. You, no, I, I mean, that far back. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, I think my earliest memories are probably like, you know, 
other than just, I remember being at the stadium. I don't really remember any aspects. I don't know how much I understood about football at the time. Um, but, um, you know, maybe some of those games when they went to the Rose Bowl and probably my earliest memories, but, uh, you know, that was TV, of course. But, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, them watching them against, uh, I don't know, gosh, uh, you know, Charles Davis or some some glory era USC running back, um, you know, one of those guys. But uh, no, I don't, nothing's, nothing that specific. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So um, one of the things you mentioned before we started recording that you wanted to talk about was just, to, you know, the general state of college football. There's obviously a lot changing. You made the mm-hmm. point that even so much has changed the first time you and I connected, which was back in April, maybe or early May yeah. after you actually had won, won the, the bracket pool. Um, Ari and I discussed conference realignment when it happened two or three episodes ago when it was announced that USC and UCLA were, were joining the Big Ten in 2024. And we talked about kind of some of the regionality just sort of being sucked out of the sport. And and obviously the landscape is changing very much. Um, And I think he and I both sort of wondered aloud what that might mean for fans, but we have, we have one on the podcast now. So I think it'd be maybe be remiss not to ask if you hear some of this stuff about how it's changing and just looks very different from how it looked, you know, even five years ago, does it, does it alter at all how you view the sport, how you consume the sport, how you enjoy the sport? Well, I don't think it'll alter how I consume the sport because I think it's just, you know, it's just, it's just part of my life and I'm going to consume it, you know, mm-hmm. Saturdays in the fall and early winter, I'm going to watch college football. Um, you know, I, I guess I am a bit of a, I don't know. I don't, I'm sometimes on some things, I guess I'm a purist. I'm generally more progressive about, you know, stuff, times change, things are going to change, whatever makes the big, the game better. I don't, really see this making the game better. Um, I see it concentrating power in a way that's probably not particularly healthy. And I do, uh, I don't like the fact that, you know, like some of the West coast rivalries are going to be, be impacted. Obviously I liked, you know, I think there's been expansion. I think there was a certain amount of expansion was natural, Nebraska, Penn state, natural expansion. Maryland Rutgers, not so much, but not all that impactful, I guess, at the end of the day. But when obviously when you start bringing in two Los Angeles schools into the Big Ten, no geographic, you know, um, uh, proximity and, and no real historical, like, you know, like Ohio State and Penn State has history before, you know, um, a little bit. And um, so... Yeah, I, I don't, I, I, that's the part I don't like. I, I think the, the other thing that I, that, 
the one thing I didn't mention that I think also gives me some additional perspective is as a, as a resident of Cincinnati, I became a, pretty much all my friends in Cincinnati were UC grads. And now my wife and both my daughters are either UC alum or students. And so last year, I, and I, I've been, you know, following the football program pretty much the whole time I've lived here for the last um, almost 30 years. But, you know, last year in particular, kind of knew it was going to be a special year. And I went to every, every home game uh, and, and one road game and the, the playoff game um, for UC. So it was quite it was quite a football year in the city of Cincinnati, obviously. But so, but I bring that up just to say that you know we've had the, there's been an ongoing string of texts with my myself and my my friends who are UC fans, and they're just you know of course everybody's really focused on this issue and what does this mean to the Big Twelve and um, you know and obviously the Big Twelve is you know that's already been impacted with the SEC taking Texas and Oklahoma, so it's it's just it's it's just especially interesting, I think, from someone like myself, who's lifelong Ohio State fan, longtime UC fan, and um, just, you know, because both, both com- one conference has already been impacted, probably going to be more, they seem like they're pausing for now, and but then, you know, there's clearly stuff going on between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 behind the scenes, and I think, you know, trying to see who's going to have chairs when the music stops, you know, and, and um, so more to follow, but at the end of the day, I think the games on television, I think will be just as good. Um, the rivalries will be, there will be different rivalries, I guess. Um, the traditional rivalries, I think will be a casualty of it to at least some degree. And, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to watch any less college football or read any less or listen to any less podcasts or any of that. So that's good to hear. I don't think it's going to hurt viewership or readership or interest or, you know, I mean, I think there might be a certain sec- sub-segment that's going to be like, you know, like if you're now, you know, especially like, like take the South, for example. I mean, you guys know that, that you know, as, as fervent as football fans are in the Midwest, I think in, in the South, it's it's even to another level. Um, and, uh, you know, is I mean, an Alabama fan is not going to be any less interested in Alabama because they're playing Oklahoma or Texas instead of Auburn. Or, or in addition to Auburn, um, you know. So regionally, I think, you know, and I think it, it you know, may, I think in the Northeast and some of those areas, there's probably been a little bit of an uptick in, in interest because schools like that. Um, so I hope it doesn't go too crazy. I think there, I do think there's a point of diminishing returns on conference size. You know, I like my, my midweek action as much as the next guy. And, um, you know, I want to see, you know, I want to see them still thrive. I mean, it's again, it's interesting. Like, you know, you see Miami, one of the oldest rivalries in college football. I mean, you know, they're going back to maybe pre-1900, but, um, you know, but, you know, obviously you've seen the divergence of those programs, you know, because it wasn't that long ago that Miami was there was was at least on equal footing with UC. That was pre, pre-Big East days, but um, – you know, and having Ben Roethlisberger and kind of that, but anyway, it's um, what I, I don't know. Any any other any any reaction to any of that you guys have that beyond what you've already talked about? No, I'm just kind of. I was just mostly curious about consumption. Like if if 
I guess from the Ohio State standpoint, not much is changing, which is what Ari and I have talked about quite a bit. Just does it doesn't feel like Ohio State's world is getting rocked all that much by this. I think if you were a team out uh, a fan of a team out west, as you mentioned, I think maybe it, it alters things quite drastically. But from the yeah. Ohio State standpoint, I think yeah. I think life kind of continues on as as mostly normal. You get more couple trips to LA every year. Um, I actually think it's kind of cool that Ohio state and USC will play more regularly because there's some history there that, that I think is, um, you know, it's, I think Ohio state and USC probably have more history than Ohio state has with, you know, the majority of the big 10, frankly. So I actually, and it's good for Ohio state fans. If you replace the Illinois game with the USC game, right. In the years where that happens. Now, the thing that I, I really don't know exactly how it's going to go is, you know, what it means for, you know, travel and all that stuff, but I don't think that's a fan's concern. So, um, you know, the reason why this, all this happened, and it's something that we have to acknowledge is that Ohio state is the reason this is happening. Like if you're an Ohio state fan, it doesn't impact you because the reason why the teams want to expand and be in the big, big 10 is because Ohio state exists in it. If Ohio state wasn't in the big 10 then the entire conference wouldn't be as marketable as it is. Yep. Like they are the world that the entire sport revolves around. So like all these discussions about, uh, you know, where's the sport headed or what's the next domino to fall? Well, the next domino that falls will fall in line to the way that Ohio State wants to fall. Like that's the like that. So like if you're an Ohio State fan, like you're in a good spot. Yeah. So my number one reaction to it is like, how does this impact Ohio State? Ohio State's the man who knocks, right? Like that's <laughs> like, is you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they, they're the viewership juggernaut they're the team with the most fans uh, alumni base you know i think statistically they have more alumni and fans than any other team in the in the country um they're the ones that draws all the attention so all the stuff um uh that is happening i think is is a testament to what ohio state is so yeah, and just you know i i feel bad for other fans of programs that are going to be left behind um, and that i think is going to be an interesting thing and when and if they make an expanded playoff or you know, what access they will have to the teams that aren't in the super conferences that seem inevitable, inevitable right now will certainly be something worth tracking. But uh, as it pertains to Ohio State, they're just they're driving through the rain without getting hit by the drops. And I think that's going to be a constant throughout their existence of their program. Yeah, because it's 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 yeah, like I say, it's not just the alumni base. There's there's pretty much anybody who grew up in Ohio is an Ohio State fan. And, and even if they've migrated elsewhere, they're still watching. What do you guys think about the notion that um uh, if the Pac-12 had agreed to the expanded playoff, that this would not have happened. Forgive me if you guys already discussed this, but you, I, I've seen that that opinion voiced pretty frequently. Um, yeah, we haven't. I don't think we've discussed that. I, I I think maybe it wouldn't have happened now. I still I still think eventually we would get to a place where super conferences start to form. But I think I think maybe the the powers that be would feel less pressured to get that rolling had mm-hmm. some playoff expansion already been decided. But I, I do this did feel inevitable. I think that the thing that was most surprising in all this was just the timing of it. I'm not surprised that it happened. Yeah. I'm surprised when it happened. So I still think it would have happened. I don't know if Ari disagrees with that. I, I just think that the television contracts and what is out there for potential income is just too great to ignore. I mean, you're Mr. Finance, right? Like <laughs> it's all about dollars and cents. So, you know, I do think that there is this this longing for things not to change and for us to keep things the same way that they've always been. Uh, but I just don't think in a world that's that spins because of money, that's even possible, not just in college football, but just in any walk of life. 
Yeah. I do wonder a little bit in terms of some of those, if there is a, 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 a limit to where those dollars can go. I mean, it seems limitless in terms of the dollars that can come from these contracts, but at some point, you know, all those contract, all the money that they pay to the schools has to be, you know, it still has to be profitable for the network, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's streaming or cable or, or some combination of the two. And so I do kind of wonder if there's a, you know, if there's a point at which when you talk about consumption, I don't think the interest wanes and I think everybody will want to watch, but like if, if at some point, you know, you have to buy a different streaming service in order to watch Ohio state football, right. does that, is there a tipping point there that, you know, is there any place or any amount of money that they could stream Ohio state where you wouldn't pay it? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I would, I, like even, you know, let's I, just get even crazy with the Marshall. If they paid, yeah. if they charged you two grand to watch all their games on TV, would you pay it? Wow. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, and I'm just saying like, I'm using two grand as an example of like, that is an uncomfortable amount of money for a lot of people. Um, and I think that anybody who is obsessed with Ohio state would get the money together unless they absolutely couldn't afford it. Like, I don't think there's any limit whatsoever. And then two grand is an out, outrageous number, but if they charge you a hundred a year or 200 a year or 300 a year yeah. to subscribe or, or download the big 10 app to stream their games, I don't think that there's a limit of how far people will go to watch their team. Yeah. I think it's going to drive other people to other means of watching, you know? Um, yes. You know, they're going to, they're going to, go to the bar or they're going to go to their friend's house that, you know, um, that, and they're going to somehow split the cost and, you know, yeah. like the, the, the old days of, or I guess today with, with the uh, ultimate fighting more so, but you know, back when we used to get together at someone's house and chip in five bucks each to watch Mike Tyson, um, you know, pummel somebody for 90 seconds, um, you know, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, so yeah, that it, it is an interesting question, and you know, and I work with people um, who who do who are sports finance specialists, and and a lot of that is all kind of driven by that revenue that that kind of flows down, and and um, they've seen the impact on like regional like regional sports networks is is the is one area where there's been you know with the cord cutting and so forth that there's been some um, I guess what's the term disruption or whatever that, you know, as, as technology changes and so forth that, you know, because like, for example, I like, you know, for someone my age, um, who's old enough to remember the first time ESPN was available in your house. And then versus now, like, you know, like, like my kids don't have cable and the, 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 the younger people that I work with and so forth don't have cable. So they're talking about how they're, you know, trying to figure out how to stream whatever team they follow absent a cable subscription using their dad's subscription or whatever. And, and those kinds of things. So it is, I think you're already seeing that happening to a degree because those people like, you know um, you know, I'm talking about people that are, you know, late twenties, you know, early thirties. And they're like, they, you know, they just, they don't have this stuff. And so at some point, cause like even ESPN, you, you can subscribe to ESPN plus and get just an enormous amount of content, but without a cable or um, some kind of subscription, the stuff that's on the channel is blacked out. Right. So it's not, it's not so simple yet. They're still, they're still forcing you to both channels. So it's, 
that to me would be interesting because I think, well, like for example, just you know, um, like main reason I still have cables because Bally's is not on the alternatives. So I can't, if I want to watch the Reds, the Blue Jackets, et cetera, I, I can't, I, you know, Spectrum is my only option. Um, but Bally's is, is, is coming out with a straight to market streaming service, um, I think next year. And so there's already question, okay, what's that going to cost? And how much is that worth to you? Would you pay $25 a month for Bally's streaming? And my answer is, well, sure. Especially if I can save 50 or a hundred cutting the cord, you know? So, yeah. Um, anyway, I think that's, you know, that's all, that's all probably going to be part of it at some point, there's going to be some shift in how people consume the sport. And then we will test the limits of that demand and the cost. So, yeah, I think there's a potential for it to to splinter in a way where you're going to have to kind of, you know, have, have access to maybe four or five different things and make sure you're not missing any of, of what you want to see um, when it comes to w- watching your team's games. Um, yeah. want to uh, pivot a little bit here, Marshall, because uh, you, you said you kind of wanted to get into sort of the um, state, state of the Buckeyes, um, some thoughts or questions maybe you have on the team um, heading into the 2022 season, which is like yeah. seven weeks crazy. away, which is kind of crazy. Hey, before, before you ask us, Marshall, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you think Ohio State's reached their potential? Uh, no, no, no. I think um, I think that they have reached it in certain years, clearly. But I think it it with Ohio State there have been, you know, there's been talent gaps and there's been coaching gaps, and in some years there was both. Um, you know, so. You know, I guess it, it, if I say there's a talent gap, then maybe that maybe they did maybe that was their potential in that given year. But I think the the, the biggest thing is is the the coaching gaps. I mean, if you look back, you know, like Urban Meyer, for example, um, as he you know, Urban's record was directly tied to how well he managed transition in his coaching staff. Yep, I think that's a fair statement. So yep. So, you know, for example, when, um, gosh, the, 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 the DC, the, the, the coordinator that went to Boston College, for example, good, good example, you know, because you Jeff know, Halfley, yeah. Halfley left and was, I think, was that replaced with, um, he was replaced by Kerry Combs. Kerry Combs. 2020 yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't recall if, if there was an, an you know, because Chris Ash was in there too at some point, but maybe he, I, I can't recall exactly the, the order of people, but yeah, Ash was first. Yeah. So, Ash, was 14. But, you know, even Ash, I think, um, you know, he just, he had issues. He, he had major issues, it, you know, in his, def, in the defensive coaching. I think it was clear. Yeah. Where, there were talent gaps, I think, to be clear in certain years for sure that just some recruiting shortfalls, but, um, you know, I think the coaching, there were years where like, I mean, you know, God love him. Kerry Combs is a, is a local legend in Cincinnati. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that he's at UC in a non-coordinator role, but you know, um, uh, the four, four that had, you know, one of the slowest linebackers in America, uh, covering the Heisman trophy winning wide receiver, um, all the way across the field was, just an abomination of, of defensive coaching. I think we can all agree. I mean, Alabama was a ridiculously talented team and I'm not sure the best coaches, I'm not sure Bill Belichick coaching the Ohio state defense that year would have, 
you know, led to a win, but um, they had no chance with the way they approached that game <laughs> from a defensive um, scheme standpoint, I think was, this was my, um, my viewpoint. So, so, so long winded way of saying, I think in some of those years, I think the talent was better than the result on the field because of coaching, um, you know, before Ryan day, for example, when um, I think it was when Tom Herman left and um, the, uh, the offensive line coach got elevated offensive coordinator. Yeah, Ed Warner. Yep. Warner. I knew I was going to say Warman, but yeah, yeah, Ed Warner. That that's an example to me of of just you know, just not suited for the job. And unfortunately, he's probably a, a a fine offensive line coach, and you know, hell, may still be the offensive line coach today if he hadn't you know gotten that promotion. But um, you know, he just wasn't well suited for the job. And and I think you know. To some degree, I think even Urban kind of held him back in some of those latter years because I don't think he let he gave Ryan Day full control um, of the offense and and let it you know I think he was still very tied to that you know kind of you know sort of single wing ish um, version of the run of the um, the spread you know with with um, J T Barrett as a as a you know. Um, his version of Tim Tebow. So, you know, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think they have, um, you know, and last year, and again, it was, you know, Kerry Combs still there. Um, it was unfortunate. I really, it was, you know, it's interesting. I, I really felt like um, where, where, where day might've dropped the ball and something to talk about things that kind of changed the course of history. You know, if, if, if day had done what he should have done back then and hired, uh, Marcus Freeman as defensive coordinator, um, which I, I believe Marcus Freeman would have probably loved to have taken that job. Um, then I think Ohio State's outcome would have been different. And, um, you know, he might not have ended up at Notre Dame on that staff and not be the head coach today. So worked out well for him, but um, I don't know. I just, I think those have just been where it's been interesting to watch Ohio State over the years where the coaching staff is just, you know, you just, the wrong hires have really, really had an impact. I mean, I think even going back to Trestle when he had, what was his name? Jim Bowman, mm-hmm. who was I think, yeah. the title of offensive coordinator and um, was also offensive line coach. And th- those, I used, I, I used to refer to those days watching Ohio state as a three hour root canal. Um, <laughs> watching, watching a, 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 a Jim Trestle, Jim Bowman offense was, was only slightly less, you know, painful than, than, visits to the dentist. So anyway. Uh, yeah. So what's in your mind with this team then Marshall going to going into this year? Yeah. What, are, what are some of the things that are in front of mind going into the season? Well, I think, you know, on the offense, I mean, clearly the, the talent on the offensive skill positions is, is, you know, maybe as good as it's ever been. Um, so my only concern and question is just kind of the state of the offensive line, which I think, you know, was a, you know, was, you have the you're asking the right person on that one. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so I think you know I think having guys at their natural position um, will be will be beneficial. I think they're going to have a good, talented player playing their natural position at every position, which was not the case last year. They tried to get the best five guys on the field at the same time, and I think I think that the performance suffered because of it. Um, I find it kind of mind blowing. Um, 
you know, where I see Paris Johnson projected to be drafted because, which is not to say that I don't think he's that talented, but he's, I don't, I mean, he's, as he, he's taken so few snaps at the at tackle position in college. It's kind of, it's kind of mind blowing to see him projected as a top 10 pick next year. But, um, but I understand that he was one of the top tackles in the country uh, coming out. So that, from that standpoint, it makes sense. But so I think that my viewpoint is if the offensive line plays just average, which is a theme that was, is, you know, resonates in Cincinnati a lot, then the offense will be probably the best in the country. If it doesn't, then I think it could hold the offense back. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the right way to view it. Um, I would I think I'd say the same thing. Um, there's a couple of things I wonder with the offensive line, like the the tackle play last year. I thought was very good until they played Michigan, and I I kind of wish I know they lost the Oregon game anyway, but I, I would have liked to see those guys play against Kayvon Thibodeau as well because there wasn't much in the way of opportunities against premier pass rushers. They did very well against George Carl Aftis, but I thought they had a good plan in that game too. And he was kind of a one man show. Um, like Notre Dame's got a great pass rush. We're going to play some good defenses this year. And Paris is new and, and Dewand, I think needs to shore some things up at right tackle. And, and I wonder a little bit about pass protection, but I think it's more about the run game. It's more about um, consistently kind of knocking teams back, which they didn't do well that last year. I think that's like a leverage thing and goes back to yeah. your point about tackles playing guard when they yeah. should have had guards playing guard. So maybe those things get help this year. I think there's some technical stuff in the run game specifically that they need to get better at that. I think Justin Fry has like really been harping on since he got here. And, and I'm curious to see kind of the, the rewards of that. Um, but I think, you know, we say it every year, and I think Ari's made the point too. Like we, we, I feel like we always come into the year thinking like, "Oh, this this offensive line, man. If they, everything clicks, they can be best in the country." Like they never quite get there. Um, and again, I feel that way because you know, Parrish Johnson, number one tackle in his class. Donovan Jackson, number one tackle in his class. I think Luke, Luke Whipler is a pretty good center. I liked what I saw from Matthew Jones last year, and I think mm-hmm. Dewan will continue to grow. It's like, man, if all those guys kind of come together at the right time, it's got the potential to be a really good offensive line, but. You know, we've thought that the last couple of years and it hasn't hasn't really hit that way. So um, I'm with you, Marshall. I think if if, if the O-line just isn't a liability, I think everything else is there. I don't know. I know Ari's not Ari's more into the skill and the flash and all that stuff. But I, I don't know. I would I th- you probably I mean, I, the same I, way, right? I certainly respect the importance of the offensive line for sure. And I look at the depth chart every single year and I say, well, I mean, the fact that last year's offensive line wasn't very good, as it turns out, is the most shocking thing. Like the talent is always there. And then my number one gripe, sorry, I'm coming up uh, off of a cold. Uh, my number one gripe with Ohio State's always been that the talent is there, but it doesn't seem to get maxed. Yeah. And you look at all the teams that they are, are compared against to regularly. And it's like Nick Saban has all this similar talent and he maxes it every single year. And I think that some of the best Ohio State teams in the history of the program are the teams that came up short and I don't know what needs to happen or if it's even possible to match that Nick Saban is just above us all but the amount of times Ohio State has fallen short in years where they had the pieces to win it all is staggering to me and things like the offensive line not playing very well last year are the things that irk me about covering this team you know, so, and you know, I, I talk about managing uh, the coaching staff and, and the, the pitfalls that we've seen for Ohio state. I mean, if, you know, Saban, you know, that, that, that may be the single thing that is most amazing about Saban 
is that like it doesn't seem to matter who he loses from his staff. They just go and he'll replace them, and the beat goes on. And maybe there'd been some little some some drop off here and there, but he's he still still just you know gets these teams to perform at such a high level through all that coaching staff turnover is is I don't know to me it's kind of like the, maybe the most I mean he obviously recruits fantastic classes year in and year out and, and and so on and so forth but and he's got just the culture of winning and so forth but to me that's the thing that's just been kind of a, a wonder to bowl is like oh well yeah probably a drop off this year obviously the coordinator just left and no you know when we all ascend to heaven and we get to ask God uh, three questions. <laughs> I might ask one of them as what did Nick Saban do? Because it is probably the reason why I've been unfairly harsh about Ohio State, because I look at a team that on paper is similarly built, but constantly gets everything out of it. And it's not like Ohio State's had bad head coaches. I mean, Urban Meyer is one of the greatest college coaches of all time. And he won one national title in seven years and one national title in seven years for most programs would be like, hell yeah. But like when you look at the teams that they had during that seven year run, it's like, holy crap, what happened? You know, the fact that we're going on a decade without a national championship is insane to me. And maybe it's kind of like when the Cavs were really, really good and LeBron and, and Kyrie were together. It's like they happened to run into the Golden State Warriors in their prime. And it's just like, well, sometimes you have to live with that. Maybe this era of Ohio State football is just running into Alabama and it's prime. But the truth of the matter is, is that Ohio State has failed to reach that stage more times than not anyway. Well, before they ever even had to face them. I, I think if you just look at the individual games, the you know, go back to those seasons where they didn't get to the finals even, you know, and they're losing to a Michigan State in the conference championship game, for example. You know, talk about under, you know, uh, failure to meet potential. I think, you know, those kind of games and then just getting, getting, you know, losing whatever it was by 30 points nearly to, to Clemson in the semifinals. Um, you know, those kind of games, I think clearly you have to. Yeah. Urban Meyer is such an interesting case study because even, even taking away the more recent events, which are, you know, um, terrifying, <laughs> <laughs> puzzling, and weird, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird, peculiar, weird, weird, odd. weird is a good word. Yeah, um, yeah, weird, odd. Even before that, I feel like there's something that in Saban's makeup that Urban Meyer lacks. You know, like he, he you know, Saban just has this ability to just, you know. He's obviously not. I mean, he's he's obviously intense and emotional at times, and those kinds of things. But he he he's able to channel it in a way that gets results at at such a high you know uh, frequency. Whereas I think Meyer, some of that he just you know whether it was the health issues, which I think are real, and I mean, gosh, you know, watching him on the sideline those years um, was just painful. You know, um, and, and, you, and they're going to win the national title again this year. I got news for you. Alabama. You see them in the blue chip ratio? I mean, the, the blue chip ratio looks the same every year. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's getting more lopsided than it's ever been before. Isn't Ohio State like one percentage point behind them? No, they're like eight percentage points behind them. I think Alabama's like 89, 80, 80, 80, 89, 89 80. to 80. That's huge. And on top of that, they have Bryce Young and, and Will Anderson. 
Like, tell me they're not going to win the national title this year. The second I saw that, I was like, that's it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would pick them. I think I, I, I think Ohio State is in that conversation for a lot of people. I think like a lot of these magazines, Ohio State's number two. Um, well, because they're number two in the blue chip ratio. Yeah, well, it's because they have Ohio State's also in a in a strange position where they have a lot coming back. Like they have a lot coming back from a team that had some real deficiencies, but it's not common that Ohio State has so much production coming back. So I think people see that. And want to put them up there as well, but yeah, I don't. Well, they belong there too. Like I don't. I don't yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But I'm saying, like, I, I think, I think any, you know, rational sort of unbiased person would look at the two teams. It's like, yeah, I think Alabama's got more than them right now. And like, if if it connects for Ohio State, and let's just say the secondary is awesome, the offensive line plays balls to the wall, and they're an awesome football team. At the end of the road, they might still lose to Alabama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that sucks for Ohio State. What do you think the spread would be if Ohio State played Alabama week one on a neutral field? And I'm t- I mean a real neutral field, not ten, not Atlanta. Ten, maybe yeah. seven, maybe seven, maybe seven. Yeah, at least I think, a t- I at think least it'd a be touchdown. a touchdown. At least yeah. a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. And I think you know, um, you know, I think all things being equal, I'm sure. Now, granted, and and I, I think Ohio State. You know, I don't know what the spread. What's the spread on the Notre Dame game? It's double digit. Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned about that game. I do think, you know, given, you know, the co- the turnover on the coaching staff, I think, you know, the defense is, you know, there, there's clearly a lot of work to be done there. Um, and, you know, I think they're going to have better talent. I think they're going to utilize it better. The thing I love about Ryan Day is he just, he's just not going to wait around for some of these coaches to, to, to get better. You know, he's, he's, um, you know, he, he, he realized that he didn't have the right people in place at coordinator and offensive line coach. And he went out and fixed it. I think you gotta, you have, as an, as an Ohio state fan, I love that. And he well, it took a year. Yeah. And so I, the losing season after getting embarrassed in the national title game to fix it. But yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it took long actually, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, arguably, like I said, I think with, with, with Kerry Combs, it was, you know, you could certainly make the argument that he should have pulled the plug, you know, sooner on Combs. Yeah, it's the benefit of hindsight. Um, but I guess at, at least I say, you know, that, that, you know, I think for, for this year, at least he's, 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 he's made the changes that were necessary. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think there might be more room for Ohio State to improve throughout the year than Alabama. So by the end of the year, not that Alabama won't get better because they, they all do. And he'll, you know, I think um, Ohio State might have, maybe a few more pieces and I haven't studied the rosters, 
but just thinking about the draft and who they lost and, you know, thinking about the receiver position in particular comes to mind um, and maybe some offensive alignment. I think maybe Ohio state has a little bit better. I don't know. I'm not saying they got a better overall roster or anything, but I'm just saying maybe at key positions, they might have a few more ex- experienced people. That would be a fun podcast. If we like took a week and really dived into both teams rosters and depth, yeah. Like if you did a position by position breakdown, because I think there's only one that off the top of my head, I would take Ohio State over receiver and that'd be receiver. Yeah. I mean, not anybody who who would would laugh at that as an idiot. Uh, Right. But I don't know, like even at quarterback. I mean, I guess you can make a case for Stroud, but they're probably second at quarterbacks Um, splitting here, you know, because we're we'd be talking about it from a college football aspect, not who's a better pro prospect. you know, and linebacker, <laughs> I think that that's an open and shut case just by thinking about it. Offensive line, uh, I don't know off the top of my head who Alabama has coming back, but Ohio State's offensive line might get the edge there with the hopes if they reach their potential. But like gambling on Ohio State's offensive line to reach the potential or Alabama's line to have some Alex Leatherwood freak come out and be a first round pick this year. Which one are you going to take? Running back, they've got Jameer Gibbs. Um, Trey first. Henderson, maybe Trey Henderson's better than Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've, they've, yeah. The, the, the transfer portal has been good to them this year. It, it appears. So Alabama's better because of the portal. Yeah. Yeah. They like, they, that's the thing about Nick Saban. He's always one step ahead of everything. Yeah. Ohio state really hasn't had, I mean, they've got, you know, what was, I guess the linebacker from Oklahoma state and, or I guess, or is he a DB? He's a, a DB. Safety. Yeah. Yeah. I think the linebacker from, from the, the linebacker, oh, former running back from Arizona state. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who might get like 19 snaps this year. Who I remains to be seen how much he'll play. Yeah. 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 So clearly the transfer portal has probably is, is accounts for a portion of the edge that Alabama has coming into the year. That's, that's pretty tough to argue with and coaching and coaching and they get the coaching edge. And I think, did they actually, did they, did they, did they lose anybody this year? I mean, this might be the first year in a while they haven't lost a coordinator. I feel like. Um, but no, I believe so. Yeah. Bill O'Brien still lost there. the Bill O'Brien. Yeah, they lost the position coach maybe, but I don't know. Pete, Gold, Pete Golding is still there too, right there. DC. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, I think you're right there. Um, yeah, so that's, that's in their favor. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't argue with that. I think let's just hope that, uh, Hopefully, I, I think that's the matchup that, um, you know, if you're just a broad fan of the sport, that's the matchup you want in the finals. Um, well, here, here would have been an issue. I know we're probably we're getting late on time, but to, to me, the, the, the interesting question I think to ponder would have been if Ohio State hadn't got blatantly uh, hosed by the referees against Clemson, um, <laughs> totally, totally unbiased opinion stated there. And, and 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 they. I mean, it was a, it was a shit call, but can you like say they lost the game because well, of it? I mean, I, I would listen, but calls multiple calls plural. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but don't you think how many times did J.K. Dobbins drop touchdown passes in the red zone in that game? Just just once. Oh, uh, don't don't you, twice. twice twice. Yeah, I think it was twice. Uh, I think that that would have been a much better. And I'm not saying Ohio State would have beat LSU that year because LSU was not losing to anybody, but. Don't you think Ohio State would have given them a better game that year? I think that Ohio State was a better football team than Clemson that year. I just think they matched up better with with you know yeah with, with the final score could have been like sixty three to forty eight because I don't know I think that Ohio State's offense was better than Clemson's offense that year, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I so. Think even their defense—that's the year of the infamous tweet. 
That is right. Ohio State was the best team in the country. Um, which After is after watching the first quarter, which yeah. was not true. Um, yeah, I think I think it would have been a better game. I think that's yeah. right. I think it would have been a better game. I don't know. Again, with the with the benefit of hindsight, I don't know that I would have picked Ohio State to win that game because the one thing about that year is it and and it I think became clear in, in subsequent years is that teams were starting to figure out what Ohio State was doing defensively. Like even Clemson in that game, I think put them in some situations they weren't really prepared for. And then like in 2020 and 2021 teams just did whatever the hell they wanted to Ohio State's defense, good teams. Um, so I think LSU probably would have figured that out as well. And, and probably would have been a little bit of a firework show, but I think Ohio State was more equipped to put points up on LSU than Clemson was in that game. So I think it would have been pretty high scoring. And slow them down a little bit too, I feel like. I just feel like with Chase Young and maybe with Chase, yeah, yeah. Cuda and, and some of those guys, I think they they would have given them put up a little, little bit better fight. But I think like I mean, it, if you look at that LSU team in hindsight and look at what guys are doing in the NFL, it's just it's like even more impressive, I feel like, because you got I mean, Justin Jefferson, you know, was late round pick and now, now probably top five receiver in the league. And, yeah. You know, seeing what Chase did after, despite sitting out a year and what Burrow's doing and just on and on and on. It's um, anyway. Um, so. Before we wrap up the show here, Marshall, I, I, so I wrote a mailbag this week and I, I never get the opportunity to answer any, uh, all the questions There are like 50 of them. Uh, but there was one that I didn't answer in writing that I was a little curious to get your point of view on. And then I, I'd like to hear Ari's answer as well. And, and I'll ch- chime in with mine as well. Uh, Rob J wrote a, a question and he said, name the one recruit Ohio state has missed on in the last five years that still haunts you. And Rob's answer was Brian Brzee, the defensive tackle, who was at Clemson, was a five-star player in the class of 2020. Um, Does it have to be a person that they actually could have gotten? I think a, I think it has to be a person that you thought they were going to get or thought they had a shot at going to get. I don't think you can just say like Travis Hunter, who they like were never in on. It was the wrong now, isn't there one just obvious answer here? Well, I don't know if one jumped to mind immediately for Marshall or not. So I'd be curious okay. on his thoughts, and then maybe you can give your obvious answer. Well, you know... Uh, Oddly enough, the first name that comes to mind, which is which is, I kind of can't believe I'm saying it because he's been such a disappointment in Cincinnati, is um, is Jackson Carmen because, um, um, you know, I I felt like the offensive line he he would have been a big boost to the offensive line in that period that he was in college, um, and maybe that's just because he's a Cincinnati native. Um, so, um, you know, that, that's, that's an odd one that comes to mind. Um, hmm. Well, I think that it's different of who haunted you the day that they committed somewhere else and who haunted you based on what you know now, which, which one would you go with bill based on what you know now? Yeah. Okay. Cause like Jackson Carmen was like torturous in the moment, but I don't think Ohio state's trajectory as a program shifts because of, yeah, no, of losing him. Um, there is one person. That is just by far the. I'm fascinated I don't to know. hear what your answer is. Who is it? Well, I want to hear yours first. Uh, my, mine, uh, I was torn between two. One was J.C. Latham, because mm-hmm. I think I think either J.C. Latham or Jackson Carmen or like Darnell Wright, who was a five star tackle in 2019, who hasn't been very good. But I just think like what that would have signified would have like eased a lot of the consternation there is right now about offensive tackle recruiting. Have they gotten one yeah. of those guys? Um, but then the other one is Jordan Battle. 
um, because Ohio State, I think, has been lacking some dynamic guys on the back end of its defense, particularly its safety since Jordan, since Jordan Fuller finished playing. And Jordan Battle has been a pretty good safety for Alabama um, and I think would have made people feel a lot better about the back end of Ohio State's defense that he stuck with that commitment. How far are we going back on this? Five years. Oh. Oh. Okay, then my answer doesn't count. So, so Charles Woodson's out then. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, why. no, no. I, I thought I was just going back to the beginning of the Urban Meyer era. <laughs> no, okay. Well, who's your answer in that case then? The Sean Watson. Oh, that's like what I thought. Like, yeah. I thought like it's no, like no, that's he said the five clear years. and yeah. Okay, then I think Jordan Battle's probably the answer. Yeah, because he was committed length. at one point and like turned out to be a dog. Yeah, I like the Latham because in fact when you I had forgotten about him, but it's that one's that one does uh, resonate with me because I have a you know a friend who um, is also a big Ohio State fan and follows recruiting, and that was a name we actually talked about. Like we were really. Um, focused and hopeful of getting him and, and, and given the need, it was a big deal. So um, I am hopeful. I think we, we do have to, at least before we, before we go off, before we sign up, uh, can I get one more? Sure. I'm sorry. I've I got really excited. And I don't know if it's a recruiting miss or a recruiting violation, but Micah Parsons would have been nice. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, the guy was on the game day stage in Columbus on official visits. And I think he was leaning towards Ohio oh, state yeah. at one point. That's and now he's going to be like the best defender in the NFL for the next decade and was Penn State's best player and played a position that Ohio State could have used some help at. Yeah, I think he was viewed as a, <laughs> as a lean, at least, if not even a silent verbal, maybe. But yep. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I will say, yeah, it's, uh, it, especially given, you know, we're in a week of hockey news. I, I think that it would I'm, I am very hopeful that that the, what's the big the finish offensive tackle? Um, Olaus Allenen. Olaus. And he, is he from Connecticut? Is that? Uh, he's uh, from Finland. He is from Finland, but he's playing in Connecticut. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the tie in with the Blue Jackets, I think, is just like, I mean, I'm sure you guys saw the article in, uh, or was that your article, Bill, or was that? Was that was that, uh, Porty, Port- Aaron Portsline, right? Okay. Yeah. Portsline. But I mean, that, that tie in and all the, all the Finnish connections with the Blue Jackets, I think that just, that's just too good of a story. And, and obviously, that's a big position to need. So I'm really, Really hopeful for that one. Yeah, if Yarmo Kekalainen can recruit Johnny Goudreau, we would hope he can recruit Olaus Allenin too. I think I think that's a that's a fair uh, fair ask of Ohio State fans for sure. Um, if you go through the I, top one hundred right now and just like look at like old top one hundreds, there's like twenty people that yeah, Ohio I mean, State was. Yeah, you you forget you forget. I'm like looking through it now and it's just like yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, because like they recruit. I mean, it's just like you could play this game and it's just. You can, just Sorry, through, I get, you can just look through Alabama's roster. Alabama, yeah, it's just like, how, roster, how about like, the look. 19 best player that Alabama has had on yeah, its roster the last yeah. five years? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Some Clemson and Georgia too, but yeah. 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 Well, and one thing I, I sorry to, to change the topic abruptly, but um, you know, one of the things I do enjoy immensely about this podcast is the, um, the, the grab ass as, as Ari calls it. And, <laughs> and you want to play some grab ass Marshall? The, the term, the term I, I, I like the term grab ass, but uh, that's Bill's term. Um, I, I stole it from him. I can't, I can't take credit for it, but the, the food discussion is something I really do enjoy. And, and so I think as much as I, I could, we could go on forever, but the one thing I did, I did want to ask you guys, since I am a Cincinnati, uh, uh resident, um, what, what if you guys have a viewpoint because this is the first thing anybody new to Cincinnati is the first mm-hmm. question they have to be asked is is what what is your view on Cincinnati style chili um and you know 
So I, I big thumbs down for Mari. <laughs> I I have never had it, and it's not something that looks particularly appetizing to me. But never? I also feel like no, you never ate Skyline. No, and I That's and I peculiar. My my inclination is to agree with Ari and give it a big thumbs down. But I feel like I shouldn't do that if I've never actually had it. Well, there's a weird. In, I like because like I'm a chili person. Yes, I love chili. Yeah, I, mean, I make chili I all the don't, time. Don't and like it comes on a hot dog and it's spaghetti. It's not like it's disgusting. Well, I just don't know that I like the cinnamon aspect to it. Uh, like I, like to me, like I love the idea and like my father loves Skyline. So like I mean, I'm not trying to be like because people could accuse me of being contrarian. I just don't know that that ingredient me- meshes well for me in that. And that's a personal preference. So, like, if you love it, you know, I'm not trying to say it sucks. Yeah. It's just not my cup of tea. Is your um, do you Ohio? like it? That, do I recall correctly? Your my father's uh, from Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess. The, and part of the thing I tell people, if the one thing I say about it, I, it's 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 a little unfortunate. I think that 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 the term chili is part of it because I think if you just remove that from the uh, from the conversation and just say it's a meat sauce served over spaghetti with cheese, um, then I think, you know, I think. But the cinnamon belong in meat sauce? I mean, it's, it's different. You know, it's, 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 it's of Greek origin. Uh, a lot of people don't probably don't even know, but it's, it's, um, it's, yeah, I mean. But I've never had the competitor. What's the competitor? Gold star. I've never eaten that. Gold Star is um, at least my take on. I I I I can't remember the last time I had actual Gold Star like a three way, but my recollection is that it's 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 a a meatier but less flavorful version. Yeah. So they put cinnamon in Skyline Chili. Yeah. There's a cinnamon. You should go. You should at least try you it. At least I should. Try well, it. I I when I when I make my chili, I put a ton of cinnamon in it. Oh, well, so you, you might really like it, yeah. Like, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. And like- the hot dogs are good. Like I, I, I went to Skyline once and I ordered the hot dogs without chili and the woman working there was like, what the hell's wrong? <laughs> he just ordered two hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted the hot dogs and I put it, I put a little, uh, you know, mustard on there and it was, I was good yeah. to go. Now, one thing I'm happy you brought that up, Marshall, because I wanted to like throw an olive branch to my dad because we got asked a, uh, a question on the podcast about Columbus local restaurants that we would suggest and my brain went totally onto like all the cliche places that everybody talks about whenever they visit Columbus. And I didn't give them the like real spots that you should go to that aren't on the, on the tourist trap pages. Hoon and lion on Bethel road is the best Chinese food on the face of the fucking planet. And I've never said that on this podcast. And like, if you haven't, if you're a Chinese food and I use the F bomb for inflection, because it's really important to me. And it's like, I feel like I let my dad down and I let my audience down by not telling people that. And I've been trying to get Bill to go there for a decade and the man hasn't gone there. And that's not true. I did go there. I just didn't eat there. Yeah, he went there and I guess there was a long wait because it's delicious. And he didn't. It's it is by far the best quality, most delicious Chinese food I've ever had. And I will be the first person to say that Chinese food can kind of run together a little bit. Yeah, like this is up upper echelon stuff. Is so it, um, like a sit down. Or yeah, it is. It it's is. Very, it's yes. very nice in there, actually. So yeah, it's like they really did up the the the. But if you're ever up again in Columbus, Marshall, try it out. Um, and then he, there's also an Italian restaurant on Sawmill Road called Moretti's. If it's still there, 
that is a very, very, very good Italian dinner. If you want a piece of veal or chicken parm, and it's just like a hole in the wall strip center type place. that's okay. delicious. And, you know, if you're an Ohio State fan and you're in Columbus and you don't feel like having Tommy's pizza for the 9000th time, go check these places out. They're 15 wow. minutes away from campus. They won't be as busy as it is on campus. And, um, you know, there's a lot of really good food that just kind of off off onto the city of Columbus that we always forget about because we're always trying to, like, talk about campus area cuisine. Well, and, and short north, I mean, I, I, I spent I'm, I, I'm I follow the happenings in Columbus very closely. I, I'm actually I, I go to more Blue Jackets games than I do Ohio State football games, actually. Um, but big uh, puck guy. Um, just because I prefer to watch them on that's I, I don't know. I just prefer Ohio State on television. But you know, that's a normal that's a normal thought. I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a lot easier to consume a football game on television. And I mean, like I said, I went to I like I said, I went I went to every UC home game plus couple on the road. I went to every Bengals home game last year and one on the road. Um, so it's not that Man, that's dedication. That's I don't even know how you would logistically do that. It's like the Big Ten and the in the LA teams. Yeah. So it's not that I don't enjoy going to football games. It's just something about with with where ticket prices have gone and and um you know like you see I just happen to have like access to the best seats in the house and um obviously it's- I also hear too that the fan experience or the fan game day atmosphere at Ohio stadium sucks from fans. We're up in the press box. We don't really feel it, but like apparently yeah, like the in-game entertainment, the the DJ, all that stuff, like they've kind of yeah value city arena at Ohio stadium a little bit. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it. I think the last game I went to was like 2012. I think we were up in C deck and we had a pretty decent view, not too high up. I had a couple like prior to that, where I had tickets to really good game, like Penn state, and they were both top five and we were literally behind a pole. And so that does those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah. tends to, you know, but anyway, so, um, well, thank you guys. This has been, this has been a lot of fun. I'm glad we could. Find- yeah. Yeah. Thanks for taking us, uh, taking the time. We, it means a lot to us the, the, yeah, that we you not only listen, but that you, you know, it matters to you to be on here. It means the world to us. Yeah. My, 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 my one friend that I mentioned was, was, was extremely excited when I told him about this. So, Who's your friend? Let's give him a shout out. Uh, Rob, Rob Reigns, uh, who uh, is he related to Roman Reigns? Wrestler uh, knowledge. <laughs> I just I don't know anything about wrestling, but <laughs> is that a wrestler? Apparently, yeah. I, I know a former uh, former Georgia Tech football player too. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah for, uh, for from hails from from Upper Arlington. Um, so and uh, uh, married a Cincinnati girl. So had to had to had to settle in the same zip code where she was from and. Uh, well, tell him to get into the bracket challenge next year. Maybe yeah. he'll win. Uh, yeah, That's right. definitely. He'll definitely beat me. I can I can guarantee him that much. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. shout out to Rob. Uh, thank you, Marshall, so much for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, congratulations on winning the bracket pool and for this being your prize. I'm sure it was uh, the uh, highlight of of, uh, of your year to come on this podcast with us because why, why on earth wouldn't it be? So uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. And, and congratulations to both you on, on your nuptials and, and already. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. I want to mention that as well. So, but thanks again. And, uh, uh, you know, can't wait to, can't wait for football season. Yeah, it's coming down the road. Uh, so next week is Big Ten Media Days and then camp starts the week after that. So plenty to dive into. Thank you again, Marshall. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week with another episode of 4 to 6 Thanks, guys. Thank you.